Hi, uh, welcome to Movie Butts. I'm uh, Arnie Joe. I'm Dan. This is, you know, our podcast where we do a bunch of math to determine the best and worst of a certain topic. Uh, you know, what I do is I um, I write down the statistics from a bunch of different aggregators, including Rotten Tomatoes, Critic Audience, IMDb User Ratings, the Metacritic Score, the Budget, the Box Office. Um, I've actually started including award wins because uh, the last time I did it, I got fucked over by a donkey vote. So I've actually added a new uh, segment to it. You know, I actually count how many uh, uh, top tier awards it, it gets nominated for and wins. So that's actually a nice little tiebreaker that I've discovered. Um, F- feeding new data into the machine. Basically, like I, I need to because it's either... See, I found there was one called Cinema Score, which... Um, calculates the approval rating of audiences after they've left the cinema so they um they do their own little case studies on selected cinemas so they could give an a rating or a c rating or a b rating but then i realized that that's not numbers and how the fuck am i meant to i'm not going to start doing fucking algebra you know what i mean like I can't have like 80% here, 8.9 here, uh, you know, out of, out of a hundred number here. And then all of a sudden I need to do math on figuring out what an A is and what a B is and what a C is. Fuck that. A is a hundred, isn't it? Yeah, but, but, but like how, but it's still not like there's A pluses, A minuses and stuff in there. And I'm just like, how the fuck am I meant to decide what is what? No, thanks. And I have a feeling that'll probably, if something gets a B, you know, I was looking at it, it could have made a million dollars. Like, oh, not a million dollars, a million, a million dollars. Sorry. <laughs> like, that's a lot of money. Also, these cinema score people, I don't know who they are, yeah. but I do not like what they're doing. Why? Oh, you don't like, you don't like getting a letter, you know, assigned to a, you know, you don't want to watch a movie and go, that's an A plus film or that's a D yeah. or, you know. No, yeah. this sounds like some sort of shady psycho shit to me. It is, it is weird. Anyway, we take all this information and um, it helps us decide what is uh, fucking definitively, there is no questioning the math, the best and the worst. Um, what did we, uh, what was our subject this week, Dane? Uh, Mr. David Fincher. Mr. David Fincher. The math came in for the first one on a, after a fucking public vote because the math fucked up and we watched Fight Club. And for the worst, it was Panic Room. Um, there was a pretty heavy tie for best, but the it was actually decided immediately what the worst was, and that was Panic Room. It did. It has made money, but all of its other scores were so significantly lower than everything. Um, a lot of like a lot of audiences like Fincher films. It's uh, through the board. Audiences like his films. It was just finding the best. This one, the audiences didn't even like this one. Except for they paid their fucking money. You know, this movie made a lot of money. I think this was his most successful movie in this era outside of Seven. Financially. It had a massive... It had a massive marketing push behind it. Yeah. And I'm only going off of... I remember when this came out. And there was fucking ads for Panic Room everywhere. I think I even remember seeing those, like, really stupid five second tv spots on channel 10 
You know, those mm. sort of things like after a, uh, during a commercial break, before it goes to the commercial break, it just shows like a trailer for five seconds and then continues with the ads. I swear I remember yeah. seeing the Panic Room one. Yeah, it, there, was, um, there was such a huge marketing push behind mm. it. So Panic Room was basically his response to the critical, uh, not the critical, but the commercial lacking of, uh, of um, uh, Fight Club and... Um, the game. So this film was kind of, I think his, I guess, selling out point, you could say almost. One, yeah. One, one for them. One for them. Yeah. You know what? I'll make a conventional thriller that everyone will go and see because it's got Jodie Foster in it and it's a thriller and we'll make a lot of money. And I think he knows how to do that. I think he knows when he's picking a film to make money. Um, but we'll get into that after anyway. So before we get too off topic, do you mind um, giving us a plot description for uh, Panic Room? Yeah, Panic Room is about a mother and a daughter who move into a new fancy Manhattan unit and um, it has a Panic Room in it. And then their first night there, someone breaks in, uh, like a group of robbers, and they plan on doing a, doing a, doing a burgle on the joint. Um, and then she ends up in the panic room and then there's a whole, there's a whole bunch of shit that happens. But it's basically it. It's about the woman in the panic room and the robbers in the house trying to get her out of the panic room. That's a, uh, I, I don't know if you could do any better than that. It's, it's pretty an basic, extraordinarily simple premise. Uh, it's it's funny because it's super simple, but it's so overwritten as well. Um, yeah. Like the premise is quite simple, but like this is the definition of what I call an elevator pitch movie. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, I've got you in an elevator, Dane. Uh, we we get Jodie Foster. She's a you know uh, an up and she's an uh, an uppity uh, Manhattan woman and her daughter. And um, they get locked in a panic room, okay, because some burglars broke into the house. Now, she's claustrophobic. The daughter's got diabetes. How is anyone going to get them out except the man who designed the panic room? Like, it just it just <laughs> yeah. reads like a fucking yeah. an elevator pitch. It's just so, you know, uh, it's just so predictable. And I don't know, I, I hate things that feel... Like just so written, so over fucking written. You it's know? a huge difference from Fight Club, which is um, one of the weirdest movies I've ever seen. When yeah. you like, everyone knows Fight Club now, so it doesn't feel that strange anymore. But when you really break down what Fight Club is, that's a very strange premise. Totally. And um, then his literal next film is yeah a fucking blurb on a dvd jacket yeah it's a like, very that's very by the numbers movie and that's why i didn't really dig it i think yeah. it's i think it's it's definitely elevated by finch's talent you know oh yeah of course of course um there's even like the thing is like it just shows that well i i guess i'll take a uh, a step back for for the longest time, I was convinced that Fincher was what you would call an auteur. 
Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of his movies have similar tones. They're all very well shot. They all have their characteristics. Now, from this podcast and doing a bit more research into him, he is pretty much a director for hire. Yeah. But early career, he knew what worked for him. And later on, he started experimenting, but it was still writer for, he was still director for hire. He's done a fucking Aaron Sorkin script, you know, like it's. This is my main problem with the movie. The characters, they are all one dimensional, um, which can be fine, but this movie is trying to be very gritty and real, I think. So when you have these characters that don't really have anything to them other than basic elements, like, um, Forrest Whitaker's character is the, the thief with a heart of gold, (laughs) which, yeah, which is such a, uh, such a played out trope that it's worthy of satire, but it's not, it's just, he's legit doing that. In this. It, the thing is, as soon as you're introduced to that character, you know that he's not. You know he's not the bad guy. Yeah. But he's the first one we see. Mm. He's breaking into their house. Yeah. But you know from the moment you see him that he's not a bad guy. Because it's Forrest so for Whitaker. me, he was con- yeah. yeah. And for me, like he was confusing in the film. Like he actually was making the stakes. Um, he was dampening the stakes for me, to be perfectly honest. Mm-hmm. They neutered all three of the, the bad guys. Mm-hmm. The fucking Forrest Whitaker's got the heart of gold. Um, Jared Leto sucks. Yeah, he's cut, he's, he's not in, not scary. He's an idiot. Yeah. He's a fuckwit. Everything about him's wrong. And then the first time we meet Raul, the guy in the fucking in the ski mask, the one of the first lines that ut- is that's uttered to him is that you're a bus driver. So even in even then. Mm. He's just set up to not be scary. So it's just, I'm just like, I'm not, I'm not worried about these people. Like Jodie Foster can beat these people easily. Yeah. You know, it's, I mean, I'm sure that has been said plenty of times that this movie is like home alone, but they don't feel these, 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 these burglars don't feel that much more realistic than the comedy kid burglars in Home Alone. You know what I mean? They're, well, they're caricatures the who, are, is... who, are, who are bumbling through an operation and they're getting outsmarted by a kid with diabetes and a woman with claustrophobia who is a is a, is a clear coward at the beginning of the film. Yeah. Well, the like the a big issue, and this is for all of the characters, is that they're all stupid. Mm-hmm. They're all really dumb. And what frustrates me even more is the writer knows they're dumb and then throws in lines to try and cover it up Mm -hmm. to like, you know, like he writes something and then he's like, oh, you know what? No one would actually do that. Oh, you know what I'll do? I'll write a line where we acknowledge that no one would ever do that. So now it's fine. (laughs) Like um, there's the bit where she starts smashing all the cameras and then the bad guy goes, why didn't we think of that? Yeah, yeah. That's and it's the just like, fuck you. Yeah. Fuck you. Like, that's just bad writing. Why that's didn't not... you do that? 
Yeah. Especially That's when not... this, like, Forrest Whitaker's character is meant to be, like, he's, he's presented as being quite intelligent. Yeah, he's more, he's, yeah, but then he, everything he does is dumb. Yeah. Like, he starts, like, he takes off his jacket and reveals his name to the fucking kid. He knows that there's an intercom, but they're, like, putting up signs to the thing. And then later on, it's revealed that they can talk to each other via an intercom. Why doesn't he just use the intercom? Like, there's just all these, just, everything's just stupid. Mm-hmm. And um, even even subtle things that are just, like, unnervingly wrong. Like, she, she at the beginning of the movie, she has a bath. But her door, the bathroom door is just open. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you've got a 10-year-old kid. <laughs> like, why are you drinking wine naked in a bathtub? Close your fucking door. Like, just, just all these little things were just irritating me about the movie. Mm. Um, but then, you know, the writer would tr- throw something in there as a reason. Like, I think there's another one where, like, Raul was, like, talking really cryptically and stuff. And the writer thought it was cute um, for Jared Leto to go, don't spurt that Elmore Leonard shit at me like that because I've seen that movie too. And it's just, I'm just like, you're not clever. Stop trying to be clever. Right. It sucks. Yeah. You know? So, um, hang on. Firstly, I just want to say, I think that it's a testament to how good Fincher is that I didn't hate this movie and didn't even like, mind it because watching him like watching his direction is still entertaining but this movie could have like it would be easier to make this film into um a so bad it's good movie than it is to make it into a great movie yeah because like that's sitting on the wrong side of the bell curve yeah like that scene with the gas canister and they're, mm. they're, they're feeding the gas into the panic room. Um, and then the, you know, the, the, the criminals are all yelling at each other like, hey, turn, turn it down. No, turn it up. And then he turns the gas up. And the guy's just like, hey, turn it down. You're going to kill him. He's like, I won't. But he doesn't do anything about yeah, it. Yeah, I won't. I won't kill him. They'll start puking and it's such a dumb scene. And then the way that she, the way that she, um, gets them to stop doing that is she like puts her arm down the vent with a lighter and then sets the gas on fire. And then is perfectly fine. Yeah, which then, as well. you know, the fire then goes down the hose and the gas canister starts whipping around and exploding and Jared Leto catches on fire and he's like, ah, and then, <laughs> and then in the panic room, only the ceiling catches fire. All the air in the ceiling catches fire and they just get under a fire blanket, except Jodie Foster's head isn't under the fire blanket. She's looking up at this blue, like blue flames in the air. It is so fucking dumb, but somehow Fincher has made it not laughable. I had to think about it later that I was like, when I'm, when I'm breaking the scene down in my head, I'm like, that's actually a really funny scene. That's like some home alone shit. But so he, he define what you mean by laughable, like, like laughing at how bad it is or laughing because it's funny. It sounds like a gag. That's it's I, cartoonish for her to light the gas 
and then it shoots up the hose and like spins around and sets one of them on fire and then explodes. It's it's like a gag. It's like the yeah. guy getting it's like the the bumbling robbers in in Home Alone kicking each other in the mm. nuts. See, I was laughing at that scene because I don't like Jared Leto and watching him on fire was probably made my day. <laughs> Cuz I hate that guy. He sucks. But do you hate He's him terrible. with cornrows? I I hate him even more with cornrows. Why does he keep casting him? Uh has he what else has he cast him in? He was in fucking Fight Club. Yeah, but I mean other than that. Outside No, but why did he cast him in this? As well as Fight Club is kind of what I'm getting at. I don't understand like, how Jared Leto has a career. I'm assuming he has connections. So it's yeah. just like... He has photos of some people or something. Yeah, so it's just like, like, he's got blackmail on someone. Because he, he's he's miscast in Fight Club. Yeah. And he's miscast yeah, he's, in this. He's he's just like... they. I think they even like infer that he's a male nurse in this film at one point. And it's just like, what? So who are you? Why do you have cornrows? Why are you robbing your fucking grandfather's house? Yeah. And you're a male nurse? Like And at least his performance is you? okay in Fight Club. It's bad in this. Yeah, He's overacting. Yeah, but it's not okay. It's just because he isn't around enough for it to be irritating. The the small scenes where he says anything in Fight Club, it's bad. When he's got all the shit on his face and he's like, "We've got it under control." You know, like that's bad. Yeah. I mean, he it's okay. He didn't it didn't bother me, but maybe if he, maybe if the, um, the blonde guy was in it more, it would, but I, I didn't have a problem with him in Fire Club. Other than that, he clearly had dyed blonde hair and his character was supposed to be naturally blonde mm. and he was also supposed to be beautiful, which he wasn't. I, he I, looked weird. I think this, uh, his performance, Jared Leto specifically in everything that he's been in is a similar example as to what you said about Emma Stone. Mm-hmm. Like he's a, he's, he's self-conscious and he, he's acting, acting, yep. you know, like he's, he's not becoming a role. He's playing a role, mm. but just everything he said was just really shitty, breathy crap. Yeah. But at least Emma Stone can, like, I can acknowledge that Emma Stone is a good actor. She just doesn't, mm. she just doesn't, um, you know, embody a character. Um, mm. in, and Jared Leto is is bad. I'm sorry, he's bad. This is a fucking hog shit performance. Any time he was on screen, he just completely broke the reality of the film. I'm like, mm. this is just a like he made the um. I thought the Raul character could have potentially made the robbers feel threatening because he's okay. I don't mind him. Um, but it, the, the Jared Leto just fucking ruined it. He's, he, he's yeah. what made it feel more like a comedy than anything. Him, him being a dumb guy as well. Like he, fi- yeah, he did. You, you're right. He did kind of, he specifically felt like he was out of home alone. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, not good. He, I never want to see him ever again, ever. Like, I don't want to see him in another movie. I'm not going to see the fucking vampire film. No, and but you I love can, that no, Marvel stuff. Yeah, but not that. No, that's that's Tony Marvel. Yeah, but isn't it part of the? Uh, in the same way that Spider-Man, I don't know. No, Spider-Man and Venom, no, it's, Venom it's, aren't the 
if Venom's not in the MCU, Spider-Man is. So right. it's in the same universe as Venom. Right. I thought... Which is not really an achievement. I thought you know? that um, they could, like, they could potentially cross over. Like, Spider-Man could be in Venom at one stage. We'll see. But I don't think this guy, Morbius, is it Morbius, has anything to do with the MCU. I, and I don't want him to because I don't want to see him turning up in an Avengers movie and me having to watch him. Yeah. You know? That sounds fucked. <laughs> yeah, the vampire um, in a Doctor Strange movie. No, that's not good. You don't want to see um, the, 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 the Hulk and Doctor Strange and Vampire Man go to t- Jared Leto. Yeah. I, the only reason he's in it is because he's a, he's fucking, he feels smitten. Not sorry, not smitten. He feels butthurt because they fucked him over with Joker. Mm. That's the only reason he's doing this. He probably took the first offer he could. I don't think they fucked, I don't think at- they fucked him over with the Joker. I think that he fucked himself because. Oh yeah, of course he fucked himself over. No, but I'm talking about from his perspective. Did his performance in this film remind you of his performance as the Joker? Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking about that the whole time because he has that same like overacting with the hand movements and shit. It's in everything. Everything that he's in, he's overacting. It's fucked. I, I like a movie called Dallas Buyers Club. Yeah. I really like the director. He made my favorite movie. Yeah. But even in that, he won an Academy Award for fucking Best Supporting Actor. And he's and after rewatching it a few times, his performance in that is irritates me as well. Mm. You know, it's it's just not good. Um, I'm. You know how you were saying like this movie is propped up by the vis- like by Finch's direction. Yeah. Um. This movie's kind of like, like a him flexing a little bit. Mm. Like some of the some of the, like some of the shots are awesome, and they feel kind of out of place to me in this film because the movie is so aggressively average. Mm-hmm. But would you agree that the CGI a lot of the time looks kind of crap? Um, yeah, I was going to ask you about that. That if you thought it was necessary. No, because I've seen. I see. I thought. I thought a lot of his cinematography in this, in and fusion with his CGI. Mm. I, I'm actually. I'm, it's actually probably good that he did it in this film because he significantly got better with it in the future. Mm-hmm. In every film that he's done after this, there's immaculate CGI. Mm. Um, so I think this was him kind of. Uh, this is a practice run. Yeah. So I think he. I think he kind of got it right by doing a practice run with a movie that is only going to go so far. It's better than him fucking up something that's important. Let's just say that. I remember at film school when um, in, in a class, they were teaching us um, about um, laying out an environment for your audience so that they, so that they have the geography of the, the set in their head. Um, <clears throat> and the example that they used was this, that CGI shot when they're first breaking in where, um, you know, the camera turns around and then the kitchen turns into a CGI kitchen. And then this camera goes straight through, through a cup, yeah, through the coffee pot handle and then to the back. And that was the example of, oh, hey, all you film students, here's how you establish the layout of a location. Uh, with millions upon millions of dollars of CGI. CGI budget. But the extra dumb thing about that 
is I think that it actually does a pretty good job of establishing the layout of the, the location um, with the beginning of the film, which is literally a tour of the house. Of the house, yeah. It, it works fine. It's not, you know, it's not fucking Shakespeare, but that's, a, you know, that is effective writing. And I, I know that... Um, like, it's believable. Yeah, I know that Fincher had something to do with um, compacting the beginning. I read that. I don't exactly know what he did, but... Um, he wanted the robbers in the house as soon as possible, I think. Yeah. So the, the, the yeah. beginning of the film, uh, which, is, which is just a house tour, it, it's, it's just all, um, you know, ex- exposition, um, mm. which, you know, which is fine. It's not bad. It's, it's kind of like the, the film itself in that it goes through these very basic motions and but it's done competently by someone who's very talented so it's so it's watchable you know yeah and hey it's kind of even enjoyable this is definitely not my type of movie but i sat through the whole thing without having to pause it once and i never really got bored but I, I felt like you know it was kind of tedious at points but I wasn't getting frustrated or anything. It's, I remember, I think this is the first Fincher movie to come out where I was like conscious of its existence. So I think the first Fincher film I ever heard of was, was this one. Mm -hmm. Um, I think I saw Fight Club before it just because my sister made me watch it. But I remember really liking this when I was a kid and I haven't touched it in years. So when I watched it the other night, I was disappointed because I had in my head, because I knew it was Fincher, I, I'd seen it and I'd liked it when I'd seen it. But since then, I'd, you know, I, I've experienced so much better from him mm. that coming back to this one, it was actually quite, for me, it was tedious and it was frustrating mm. how subpar it is compared to everything. Like, we, we, we're not, I'm not going to go into like tastes here, mm. but, and, you know, like, you might not like some of his other movies for some different reasons, but objectively there is an audience for all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess there's an audience for this as well, but for me personally, this one does feel a bit alone in his filmography. Oh, you know who I would recommend this to? Like, um, who? Mums. This is a oh yeah. This is a thriller for mums. Like, I would, I'd, I'd get this for my mom on DVD, I'd be like, you're, you're going to love this because it's, it doesn't really have any violence in there's violence, but there's nothing gruesome too bad. You know, I mean like a guy gets smacked over the head with a sledgehammer. If that happened in fight club, his fucking head would have come off in this. He just, (laughs) in this, he just falls down the stairs like a fucking home alone gag. And then he just, gets up and comes running back and he's now he's super mad and he's so mad now because that bitch hit him with her big hammer and you know and then the family comes together at the end to kill a man (laughs) um this is a very kind of feel like a karen thriller yeah this this one's for the karens um i'm trying to think of uh, again like i don't think that the, the 
Fincher's direction and visual stuff saves the movie for me. Mm-hmm. If anything, it makes the disappointment bigger because I can see him and I see his presence in this, yeah. which upsets me a bit more. Yeah. But I guess it's good that, that he got this, he did all the weird shit with this. So Zodiac was better, mm-hmm. you know, because without him learning all this stuff, I could guarantee Zodiac, which was his next film, would probably wouldn't have got away with all the sneaky CGI that he did in there. I saw this movie when I was um, 12 or 13. Yep. And um, I was aware of who David Fincher was. I'd seen Fight Club and I'd seen Seven. And I loved those mm. movies, especially Seven. It was probably my favorite movie around that time. So I was yeah. so pumped for Panic Room. I didn't even really know what it was about. I had like a vague yeah. idea, but um, the trailers did a good job of making it look like a thriller that you, you had no idea what was going to happen in it. And it looked, mm. it looked insane. And then I saw but it. But everything was predictable in the film. And then I saw it and I was so fucking disappointed. Um, and I hadn't seen it again since. So I was kind of the opposite. When I, when I put it on, I was like, oh no, I'm going to watch this piece of shit. And I, I was like, you were pleasantly surprised yeah, like, instead. Yeah, I was like, oh, okay, it's not that bad. Mm. But I, I already um, had in my head that, oh, yeah, I remember this. This movie sucks. I, I, I'm trying to think of compliments that I could give this. Um, actually, I think the casting of uh, Christian Stewart and Jodie Foster as a mother and daughter was quite inspired. Mm-hmm. I actually think they are believable as a mother and daughter. No, it's supposed know to be you. Nicole Kidman. Oh fuck off! She actually, really? yeah, she actually started filming. Really? Yeah. What then? What happened? Uh, then she broke her ankle or something. She With had this film. Yeah, she had a um because she got a. Wait, did she get pregnant? No, that was Jodie Foster fell pregnant during production. Nic- okay. Nicole Kidman. They started filming, but then she aggravated an injury that she got from Moulin Rouge. I would have hated, like, absolutely hated this movie with Nicole Kidman yeah. in it. Jodie Foster's a way better get. Jodie Foster's a way better actress. Yeah. I love Jodie Foster. I love it when her... I love it when her accent accidentally sneaks through. Mm-hmm. Like, when she gets really annoyed and then all of a sudden you just hear that fucking, you know, that southern accent that she has. Yeah. Makes my day happened in this film but i don't know i think her and uh christian stewart actually look kind of similar right um so i thought their dynamic was pretty good um they're both it's gay. just a shame yeah they're, they're both what they're both gay so that that makes it more believable well i don't think uh jodie foster didn't come out until like a couple of years ago and christian stewart was a fucking child so well i think maybe uh, fincher could tell He's a man of great instinct, and that's why my uh, my partner, when we were watching this, uh, thought it was a boy for the first few scenes. (laughs) Yeah, well, she does look a bit like um, uh, Edward Furlong from Terminator Two. Yeah, (laughs) it's funny because she uh, she was like, "Oh, that's a girl," and then like another couple of scenes later, "Oh, that's Christian Stewart." (laughs) The slow realization. So I think they did pretty well. Um, Jodie Foster, I don't think is, I, I think she, for me is, if anything is holding the movie up, you know, like I'm, I'm interested in her plight as a character. Um, it is sad that 
at the end of the day, like you don't really know who she is before she comes in. The only real information you get is that she's independently wealthy because of her divorce. Mm. That's all we know about her. Yeah. You know, other than that, what, who is she? What else do we know by the end? Nothing. But um, still from her in the film, she gave enough for for me to care. Um, because because Jodie Foster is um, a fucking legend. Like she's she's good in everything. She's really good. She's she was she's been good since she was ten. Yeah. Um, her her acting in in fucking Taxi Driver is better than a lot of actresses in their peak. Yeah. And she was a kid. Yeah. So you don't need to give her a very strong fleshed out character for her to just <clears throat> give a good performance. Um, no, she knows how to. She knows how to make something feel convincing and and real. Yeah, she she's she's a real master, and she does. I'm you know I don't want to say I miss her because I'm sure she's still in movies, but I don't think she's going to be in uh, prominently in as many movies now just simply because of her age bracket. Mm. She hasn't gotten into the Golden Girls area yet, where she can get the old people roles. Yeah, you know what, what is I mean? she like fifty? Yeah. Oh no, God, she'd be like sixty now. I'm pretty sure. Really. Yeah, well, I'm she's due sure. for a comeback. Then she can come back. No, nah, she's fifty-seven. Yeah, almost sixty. Five years, she'll come back and she'll get nominated for an Oscar because she played. Um, she was in a movie called The Queen's Sister or some shit. Oh God, that sounds awful. Don't, don't, don't make that joke. <laughs> I, d- I don't. I think she's above that sort of stuff. Everything she's kind of in is either kind of a bit. Actually, you know what? She's not. She'd probably be in the Queen's Sister or whatever you call she's it. She's definitely not. She's in Panic Room. What are you talking about? That's she's true. She's not above that That's stuff. True. She just makes it seem like she's above that stuff because when she's in it, she's great. She's good. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and she elevates the project. Yeah, I agree. I think that's what she did here. I mean, her and um, what's his ass who play Raul are the two best actors in this film, in my opinion. Um, Forrest Whitaker, I'm not a fan of. I think he's kind of boring. He plays. He over no. He he also overacts. Yeah, he's. Like, um. Did you see Rogue One? Yeah. How fucking terrible is he in that? <laughs> he's so bad. <laughs> he's so it's he's laughable, the worst actor in that film. bad dialogue. That shit that they put in the trailer, which is meant to the, sound so the suspenseful. Movie, the fucking movie. He won. He won a, an Academy Award for I think a movie called The Last King of Scotland, which is about Idi Amin. Mm. He won the fucking Academy Award for it, mm. and he sucks. He sucks in that film. <laughs> He's not subtle. He over. He is. I don't understand how he like. I think I, I like him in the Crying Game, but he's like barely in that film. Mm. I, I don't know a film where I've liked his performance in it. No, I'm never a fan of, never been a fan of him. Every time he shows up, I'm like, no, not this con. He sucks. <laughs> but yeah, like for me, he, he really brought the stakes down simply because you knew he was a good guy. And, and then, and I, I think it might not have helped that I'd seen it before, mm. um, knowing that that's kind of what happens, but. I don't know, just nothing felt at threat because you knew if he's there, then he's going to stop them from hurting them. Mm. So at the end of the day, the movie would have been fine if they had just walked out of the fucking panic room, let them get what they wanted mm. and go. Yeah. 
And that's not the feeling we should be having. No. I shouldn't be watching it going, oh, she should be fucking, she should just let them in. Then we don't have a movie. That's the kind of feeling I had with it. I'm like, this is so aggressively poorly written and not thought about yeah. that they could just let them let them go. Yeah. And I mean, it, you know, it would, it, I think it would be a lot more effective if the, um, the motivations and the personalities of the burglars was more ambiguous and it came to light as the film went on. But mm. you immediately get that Forrest Whitaker is a, a guy with a, with a heart of gold. I mean, like he's, it, it's established right there and then because he's like, yeah, there's a woman and a, and a child here. We can't do this. We got to go. And then he's mm. like, nobody gets hurt. And then the reason that he gets talked into staying is because um, Jared Leto does a little joker dance around him and he's like, you need this money more than I do. And then he's like, fine. So he's only there because he's being... Because he needs money. Yeah, because he's been threatened by something else. So you just feel sorry for the guy the whole time. I read that apparently um, test audiences responded negatively to the film. Um, because he gets caught at the end and he's clearly like a good guy. So they didn't like that he gets caught. So rather than, um, reshooting the ending, um, what they did was they made edits to the film to make him look like less of a good guy. So in the original cut, he was even more of a heart of gold than he is in this fuck off really yeah how crazy is that because i think it's it's so it's so over the top like the fact that he comes back to save the family is okay maybe but then he doesn't just like shoot the guy then run he like stands there and then like looks down at the little girl and he's like you're gonna be okay now everything's fine and then like gives a little nod Jodie Foster and it's like yuck yeah it was it was so ham fisted you know hammy as shit mm. um I'm just checking is your recording still going yep awesome I'm glad we fixed that issue <laughs> um so have you did you look up the writer of this by any chance nah so the guy is, I, I have mixed feelings about him. Um, his name's David Cope. Um, he's written a whole bunch of shit. And it seems to be that when he writes with someone else, he actually comes out with something kind of okay. Mm. But when he writes on his own, most of the time it's fucking shit. So this guy's responsible for movies such as Jurassic Park, the original Mission Impossible, Panic Room, Spider-Man, Angels and Demons, Jack Reacher, <laughs> Mordecai. He directed Mordecai. I don't know if you heard about that one. He directed it. Inferno, which is the last one in the fuck it, the really shit one in the in the um, uh, Da Vinci Code series. The Mummy, the new Mummy movie, mm-hmm. and Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Jesus. So there's a couple of goodies in there, mm. but there's also some fucking absolute garbage yeah um what movie that i found in here that made total sense that he that it's the same writer 
is did you ever see the movie Snake Eyes? Uh, yeah, ages ago. It's with Nick Cage, right? Yeah. yeah. So he's the guy that wrote Snake Eyes. Mm-hmm. And doesn't this film just feel like the same kind of film? Yeah, there's something about... I mean, this film came out in 2002, but it feels very 90s. Yeah. Um, and there's, 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 there's a tone that they all have that I, I can't explain, which, which makes for an uninteresting point. But I think I know what you mean. Mm, I don't know. Like when, when I looked up and saw that he wrote Snake Eyes after watching it, I'm like, ah, mm. I don't know. It's just kind of like contrived at points. Like I, 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 I'm ragging on Snake Eyes. It's made by one of my favorite directors, but the movie fucking is really contrived and crap at times. Mm. Uh, similar situation, like the own, the director can only do so much to help such a weak story, mm. you know? Um, so yeah, this guy's a fucking hack. Yeah, I think contrived um, is the word because it feels like it's forced stakes. Yeah, it feels like a movie. You're watching a movie, not yeah. a story that needs to be told. It's not trying to say something. Again, it's an elevator pitch. Yeah. This guy's this guy's me without you. <laughs> has a really cool kind of little idea, but then has no fucking idea how to, what to do with it once he's going. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like on paper, if 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 I were to tell you uh, a movie about a, a mother and daughter that's locked in a panic room while these bad guys are trying to get in, mm. that's a movie, right? Yeah. There's a movie there, but past that, what he does is just so by the book. Like I can I can see him reading Save the Cat, the screenwriting book, mm. while writing this. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it makes me, it makes me buff. And I, I don't know, the movie feels more like the writer's film than it does Finch's. To me, it doesn't feel like, apart from the aesthetic pleasing aspects of it at times, mm. which I don't even think him running on full cylinders. I think it's still his worst looking film. Um, yeah, there's nothing really much to say about this film past i i don't know what else to say do you like what else can we talk about yeah it's 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 so difficult because it's it is it is really average and it's even like the the only reason he did this i think is because he um, didn't make money yeah because like you know he needed to he needed to get back on the the winning side he probably club. wanted to make Zodiac, but then couldn't until he had at least made the studio another $150 million. Yeah. So Panic Which Room. Which he did with this. Panic Room was the, was the way to go. But yeah, I'd be surprised if, if he fucking gives a shit about Panic Room. I mean, I don't even really think he gave a shit before going into it. I know that it was... um excessively planned like he had he had most of the shots already already planned out but i mean i didn't read that as him being passionate about his vision i feel like he just wanted to to be able to be on set and just let the thing kind of almost make itself because he's already got it all planned out he doesn't want to have to come up with you know creative decisions on set because it's not a very interesting film it's a very big, elaborate camera test. Yeah. That's what I get from it. He's he's rehearsing. He's teaching himself. Mm. 
What a better way to teach yourself than having studio money at your fingertips. Yeah, and I think that's the only reason that there are those CGI shots in there is because he mm. was interested in that technology, so, you know, wanted to use it. Because I think that you can justify it in Fight Club. You could definitely justify it in Fight Club. Can't justify it in this. The only justification I've ever heard for it is that it um it it helps you to um feel the layout of the house, which I said is already done beautifully at the beginning in of the, the first film thing. with the literal yeah. house tour. So it's pointless. It's just just showing off. I mean, not, not yeah. Fincher personally showing off. I think it's the studio showing off their technology. Uh, it's Fincher showing off. Let's call a spade a spade. I, 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 I agree with you that you said um, he's practicing. Yeah. So I don't think he's like, check out my cool CGI shot. I think the reason he's doing it is because he wants to get used to using that technology. If, if, I'm gonna, if he's going to get anything out of it, at least he knows how we can do something in the future. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then he also yeah. pleases um, the studio because they have a new technology that they want to shove in every film they possibly can. So they'll be like, oh, cool. Finch is putting the, using our computer shit in, in this movie. Good one. Maybe, that's great. maybe we will be more lenient on you in the future. You know, mm. um, I sent you a couple of reviews for this. Do you, do you mind reading them? Mm hmm. Um, so yeah, just every, every, um, episode we, uh, we take the, the best and worst, uh, highly popular reviews on IMDb and we read them just to see if we tend to agree, disagree, think they're stupid or whatever. Most of the time we think they're fucking morons. Would you say, Dane? Yeah, I tend to get pretty, pretty irate. Pretty annoyed. It's, it's annoying just because some people are either saying something we agree with, but in just the most pompous way possible, or they seem to completely and utterly miss the point. Anyway, um, let's, uh, let's hear him, Dan. Okay. So, um, I'll do it like we do the show. I'll read the best one first. Yep. So this is a 10 out of 10, uh, severely underrated by Timothy Grinch or Grouch. I think it's Grinch. Grouch. Um, 2009. Okay. Way ahead of its time. If you can come up with a story based on a single room and make it as engaging and exciting as this one, you deserve to be frozen and preserved for future teaching of inspiring filmmakers. <laughs> <laughs> this movie doesn't take place in one room. This is a fantastic film and I'm glad Jodie Foster was available for the lead when Nicole Kidman got knocked up and bailed. That's not what happened. That's not what happened. Wait, is that what he just said? Is that the review? Yeah. When is that Nicole what he's saying? When Nicole Kidman got knocked up and bailed. Yuck. What a disgusting asshole. Knocked up and bailed. Fucking. Why, why does that creep me out so much saying Nicole? Like, first of all, Jodie Foster was the one who was pregnant and they had to film uh, around that and do reshoots later. Um, Nicole Kidman had an injury. So that's why she had to pull out. But even if she was, even if she did fall pregnant, and couldn't do the thing to say she got knocked up and bailed. <laughs> she just went and yeah, she just went and um, had some random night sex and, and, and got knocked up <laughs> and then ran away. 
just from like her pregnant. responsibilities. Kind of just became pregnant. Like knocked up does kind of imply that it was just like it happened while they were making the film. You know, like yeah. When uh, Nicole Kidman got knocked up and bailed. Anyway, let's continue. I loved the I loved the off character casting of Jared Leto and the unbelievable casting of Dwight Yoakam. You're making Dwight this up. Dwight Yoakam. No, no. It sounds like you're making it up. No, no. He loved the 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 off character casting of Jared Leto. What does that mean? It means that he it means he was miscast. Cast a bad actor. It means he was miscast. Off character casting. That's so... I, I understand that phrase. There are sometimes I see an actor in a movie and I'm like, oh, that was refreshing. They they don't usually do that. Uh, but- yeah, like in Pineapple Express where they switch the stereotypical roles. Yeah. You know what I mean? I yeah. guess you could call that off-character casting. But I wouldn't yeah. call... Okay, fine. That can be a phrase. But this is not off-character casting. This is miscast. Miscasting, yeah. Agreed. Um. In the unbelievable casting of Dwight Yoakam. Dwight Yoakam. It was a guy who I have no idea. He's he's a country singer. I, I only knew that because I was looking him up for this film. He's he's pretty good. I like him. That's that's Raul, right? Yeah. How um, how the fuck does a country singer get such a perfect name like Dwight Yoakam? Yeah, I don't know if that's his real name or not. That's the most country singer name I've ever fucking heard on the planet. Yeah. <laughs> Um, uh, everything worked another great and yet again underrated film by David Fincher how long is it going to take for an established directed like established directed like Fincher he means director I'm just letting everyone know that that's not me making that mistake Um, an established director like Fincher to take a chance and roll the dice on trying to make a script like this work again no one has the guts what? The way he says it sounds like the script is bad and only Fincher made it workable. That's kind of what that sounds like, right? No one has the balls to try and shoot such a terrible script and make it good. How long is it going to take for an established director like Fincher to take a chance and roll the dice and try to make a script like this work again? No one has the guts. No one has the guts? This was... We were saying... This was not a brave move by Fincher. This is the opposite of a brave move. This was yeah, him this in was panic the mode. Safe. He went into his panic room for yeah. this movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. Wrong, buddy. Um, no, I, don't, I disagree with literally everything he just said. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's underrated. If anything, it's overrated. It made too much money for what it was. Um, I mean, the only real thing that I like is Jodie Foster, but that's her, not the role. That's the film. That's not the film's. Like, that's not a plus to the film. That's a plus to her. Yeah, no, she doesn't have a. She doesn't have a character, and no. and and I mean her 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 whole arc is at the beginning of the film. Um, she's a nervous, nervous woman whose daughter doesn't respect her, and then by the end of the film. She is confident because she beat the robbers and now her daughter respects her, which is demonstrated literally by her daughter lying across her lap. Yeah. Also, did you notice, did you find that ending completely un, like unneeded? Yeah. Shouldn't it have just ended? Well, I think it was supposed to demonstrate like where she is now. Who after, cares? Well, who cares at all about 
the whole fucking movie. You, you know what it, I mean? It had a natural end point with the them in the house together and then uh, Forrest Whitaker in the fucking hurricane that's outside for some fucking reason. There's just a hurricane um, isolated to the back porch. That was an ending. At that would least. have been a cool. That would have been a cooler ending, and it would. And have, then it, it just would have fades been out, out, and, and it would have been out of character for this film. Back, it fades back. Yeah. To a fucking happy park scene where they're talking about nothing important. Well, they're talking about getting a new place, but in like at the beginning of the film, they're talking about getting a new place. Her and her daughter, and her daughter's like riding around on a scooter, being like, "Whatever, mom, you're so stupid," and then. At the end, they're looking for a new place and her daughter is lying on the park bench with her head on her mum's lap and her mum now looks confident and smiling and she's like, hmm, what about this place? Sound good? And her daughter's like, you're so freaking cool, mum. I love you. Yeah, no. Anyway, <laughs> what's the... I disagree with the Grinch with his review. Um, what's the What's the worst one? I'm curious. As to what this person has to say. Okay. Um, the worst one is um, one out of ten. Um, says circus performance by uh, Rich Mondi FWZ. Okay. 29th December 2004. David Fincher is a magician of sorts. He should work in a circus. He does things... Yeah, that's what he should be doing. He does things with his <laughs> gadgets that are quite extraordinary, but has absolutely no clue about drama. Based on a tiny, thin, invisible script, he builds a theme park ride that gets very tired very soon. All of David Fincher's films look terrific. They all have ambitious intentions, but they collapse under the poverty of the scripts. So this guy doesn't like Fincher. This is like a Clearly. this is like a review on Fincher. I know. It's the thing is, if if I funneled what he was saying in terms of this movie, I would agree. Mm. But the way that he's like actually going after Fincher as a whole. Mm. It's harder for me to take seriously what he's saying. But mm. if he was, if he was, fo what you've said so far, if it was only about Fight Club, I could, oh, not Fight Club, Panic Room, I could not, not disagree. You know what I mean? Like, mm. is kind of a bit of a theme park. There isn't really much going on mm. except for the cool visuals and stuff. Referring to poor scripts as poverty is the, the best writing I've seen in these reviews so far. I do have to mm. say that. Mm. Poverty of the scripts. Um, Seven is the better one, but still, after you get over the magnificent photography, you're left with a formula used and abused for years. The Fight Club has a first hour that makes you think in your in for a real treat. Um, with superb performances by Norton, Pitt, and Bonham Carter, and then a massive letdown. The game was mystical, powerful, mysterious, and spine-chilling for the whole first part, but then... They all have that same common denominator, opportunistic, thoughtless, and unimaginative writing. That alone alienates the bulk of their potential audiences. Now, Panic Room, the most blatant example of what uh, No, they to... don't alienate a bulk majority of their audiences. People love these films. What the yeah. fuck are you talking about? I'm honestly- You. I'm not... It alienates <laughs> you. Yeah, honestly, I'm not even understanding what he's talking about. I'm, I'm confused. Um- uh, 
Now panic room, the most blatant example of what I'm trying to convey. No matter how brilliant the camera work, where are the characters? Where is the drama? What was with the husband? What about the visit by the police? Unforgivable. Uh, yeah, the visit by the police was very bad. It's ma- it's it, maybe it makes even- no sense. Hmm. It makes no sense. The visit by the police. Yeah. It's it's my it's the only scene in the film that I hate. Other things it, I don't why, like. Why do you hate it? Forgive. I'm curious. It's stupid and unrealistic. It's it's so contrived and designed to create tension, but it's just presenting unrealistic cops. So are they meant to have like has she meant to have like nodded at them or something? Like no, or given them a sign or you know? No, I don't think she did. But also that's not what cops do. Yeah. Like you you're meant to um so the the tension of that scene is meant to be like the cops want to come in. Yeah. But she has to keep the cops out. Yeah. So she has to pretend like everything's fine so the cops leave. And and then the cops are like, "Well, excuse me, ma'am, but what about this? Are you sure there's nothing going on?" And you're like, "Ooh, are they going to come in?" No, they literally cannot come inside unless yeah, she be- says that they can, unless she invites them in. There's a fucking police. Like, what are they going to do? Bust in if they think something's up? No, they can't do that. It's just... It was stupid, but then they come. So I think, are they, are they insinuating that he knew that something was wrong the whole time? Even though she yeah. did everything in her power to say that it was yeah. fine? Or did they, or did one of those scenes where it was shot through the camera, did she like signal them? But because we were from the perspective of the robbers, we didn't know. I mean, I don't know. I just know at the end, it's all just dumb. The SWAT team shows up and then in with the SWAT team is that cop. He's like, let's go boys. (laughs) What? That's just dumb. Why would he be there? Why would he even be (laughs) there if there's a SWAT team there? Because he's the one who who called them up. It was like, Sarge, I, 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 I spoke to this woman and she says that everything's fine, but I don't know, Sarge, something's real fishy here. We better Could get a SWAT team down fine? here and bust the doors in. huh? <laughs> what if things were fine and then just a SWAT team just like fucking yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> smashes sorry, what's way Sorry, in ma'am, I thought you were giving me a signal because, you know, I was saying... If something is wrong, you can blink three times and then you didn't blink. But I thought the reason you weren't blinking was because you were too scared of the danger that was happening inside. I think it's implied that if there was a problem, if there wasn't a problem, they could, she would have let them in. You know what I mean? But I wouldn't let the fucking cops in. You know? That's so stupid. Yeah, no, it's done. Anyway, should we finish? Should we finish old mate's fucking review? Fucking, okay. Um, uh, I'm trying to convey. Okay. No matter how brilliant the camera work, where are the characters? Where's the drama? What was with the husband? What about the summer visit by the police? Unforgivable. I should advise Mr. Fincher to look at films with less gadgetry, even less ambition and take note. Yeah. Maybe chill out on the ambition. <laughs> Jesus Christ. What From, the fuck is he on about? 
From William Wyler's Desperate Hours to David Miller's Midnight Lace, or quite simply, look at the sort of writers Alfred Hitchcock worked with. Oh, without, so he's 100 years old. With, without, them, without them, Mr. Hitchcock would have been a director of the past, not the legendary master for all seasons. <laughs> what? Who is this man? I need to meet him. So, um, after hearing those pieces of you know, literature gold. Um, is there any closing thoughts you have on Panic Room? And uh, what's your fart rating? Panic Room is a an okay thriller um, that is, you know, will be fine to watch on a rainy night if you're really super bored, but there's plenty of other cool shit to watch. I don't, I wouldn't recommend it. Um, Five out of ten farts. Five out of ten farts. I I like Jodie Foster in it. I like some of the visuals, but they, for me, kind of feel out of place. The story is paper thin and cliche as fuck. Jared Leto's insufferable. Uh, Forrest Whitaker's aggressively average. Um, the script is so bad at points that the there are points for me where it's meant to be thrillery that I found funny which I know you said in the hands of someone worse, it would be funny. I actually did find this film unintentionally funny at times because of how fucking stupid it was. Um, it made me go out of my way to watch better Fincher films after I watched it. So I'm giving this a three, uh, fuck. Yeah. Three out of 10 farts. I, I can't go higher than that. You know, I, I don't even think this is in the five category, to be honest. Mm. It's so like watching- your, uh- it's like watching like the best tennis player in the world play against a brick wall like there's only so much you can get out of that you know what i mean um it's not an actual game of tennis it's someone playing against a fucking wall anyway what were you saying is this your most hated fincher film um yeah yeah it is i like everything else to or respect everything else to some degree yeah, you know? I think I'd probably. I like watch... Alien Three to this more. Yeah, at least that's got aliens in it. Yeah, this doesn't have anything else. And but the thing is, I'm upset because I liked it when I watched it when I was younger. Yeah, and this experience sucked. This is a bit. Uh, it's a bit of a toss up between this and Gone Girl for me. Mm. You don't like Gone Girl. There are parts of Gone Girl that I like more than anything I like in this, but there are parts in Gone Girl that pissed me off more than anything enraged me in this. So, mm. yeah. Yeah, well, fair. Um, well, I think it's uh, it's my turn for a, for a recommendation. Mm-hmm. Um, usually, recently, I've been um, getting you to pick between two, but um, I actually want to pick one that's dedicated to my friend Tommy. So, he's a big comic book fan and specifically likes the work of Alan Moore. So what we're going to do is we're going to watch the best and worst adaptation of Alan Moore comics. Oh. Okay. <laughs> are you are you happy with that or is that scary or I love Alan Moore but uh, there's not a single good adaptation of his work. <laughs> well, we'll we'll let the math decide that. Um anyway, um thanks for listening. Talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.